0: Hello and welcome to Childless Not by Choice. This podcast was created for and about the Childless Not by Choice community on a global level. Before we get started, I would like to thank my sponsors and supporters. Thank you, Morgan Air Conditioning, Sales, Service, and Installation, serving Tampa, Florida, and the surrounding areas. Morgan Air Conditioning can be reached by calling eight one three. 5007765 That's 8135007765 or their web address is www.morganair.net That's www.morganair.net Along with a stellar business reputation in the Tampa Florida area, Morgan Air Conditioning is also known and well received for giving back to the community, whether it is back-to-school drives or donating services to the less fortunate. Thank you, Morgan Air Conditioning, for recognizing the vision of Childless Not By Choice and being a part of it. Next, I would like to thank Alba Digital Media for creating my website, www.childlessnotbychoice.net. That's www.childlessnotbychoice.net and for producing this podcast. Alba Digital Media's clients include those who need website building and maintenance, as well as those, like myself, who require professional podcast editing. Their client base reflects many industries and levels of needs for professional assistance. To contact Alba Digital Media for your web building and podcast production needs, visit www.albadigitalmedia.com. That's www.albadigitalmedia.com Thank you, Alba Digital Media, for making me look good and sound good. Finally, I would like to thank Devoted, the musical duo who created my theme music. Thank you, Devoted, for your beautiful music. Devoted has had the opportunity to sing and play in many countries. To contact Devoted for your music needs, visit DevotedMinistries at gmail.com. That's DevotedMinistries at gmail.com. And if you would like to become a one-time or ongoing sponsor, or if you would like to become a patron of Childless Not By Choice, please contact me at civilla at civillamorgan.com. That's Sevilla at for details. Now, on to the show. Well, hello, 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 everyone. Savilla Morgan here. Welcome back to Childless Not By Choice, where my mission is to recognize and speak to the broken hearts of childless not by choice women and men around the world. I am spreading the great news that we can live a joyful, relevant, and fulfilled life, although we could not, did not have the children we so wanted Well, welcome to episode 88. I wanted to thank my Patreon contributor. Patreon contributors are those who have taken an interest in my platform, whether they fit the childless, not by choice demographic or not. They have decided to contribute a certain dollar amount on a regular basis to help fund my dream of creating awareness and conversation for the Childless Not By Choice community globally. Click the Patreon link for details and to become a patron. And so I would like to thank my current patron, one Jordan Morgan. Thank you so much, Jordan, for your patronage. Thank you for gifting uh, every month towards the cause of creating awareness and conversation for the Childless Not By Choice demographic. Well, we have a special guest today. Christy Jordan is a certified addictions professional and mental health counselor with over 10 years experience working with uh, individuals, families, and couples. Her focus is helping others find hope to overcome life's obstacles and creating a life without bondage, whether that is in their relationships or as individuals. She provides office and online sessions based on clients' needs, working with clients internationally and locally. Her website, which I will put in the show notes, please always check the show notes because um, there's a lot of information in there. Her website is www.FindingHopeToday.com, where you may contact her directly or find more information on her experience and expertise hi Chrissy welcome to the show thank you so much thank you for having me you're welcome I'm so glad to finally make this happen and um Not that I necessarily have to give full disclosure, but I will. Uh, Christy and I attend the same church, and that's how we know each other. She's a wonderful young woman doing awesome work in the community. And uh, one of the things that she did not say in her bio is that she also does a lot of work um, to help fight the, the trafficking industry that's going on globally these days and so christy thanks for all that you do in the community locally internationally and in fact are you able to tell us a little bit more about um, what you're doing to help just fight this trafficking
1: industry yes definitely um i do provide counseling for overcomers of human trafficking and I have been doing that for over 10 years as well. I also run the human trafficking hotline for Central Florida, which actually receives calls globally and nationally as well. Um, So providing resources for those who are coming out of human trafficking. Those can be minors or adults, male, female, and getting them out of that bondage and connecting them with the resources that they need, um, whether that's housing reunification with their families and just whatever their individual needs are and providing counseling for rehabilitation as well.
0: Awesome work. And you, you, I'm going to put you on the spot here, maybe embarrass you a little bit, but you just got an award for that, correct?
1: Yes, I did. I did get an award. Um, (laughs) And so that was kind of unexpected. I'm really not one to uh, be placed in the spotlight or receive awards just because human trafficking is such a sensitive topic. And I usually do the work with human trafficking kind of behind the scenes and um, just for confidentiality and everything else that comes along with such a sensitive topic, um, it's really not one to be in the spotlight. So that was really um, an honor to receive an award and be recognized for that work.
0: That's wonderful. And congratulations. It is well-deserved. And I know many people are thanking you today for all the work you, you do. So um, you're you're totally welcome. And um, so, well, today's episode is based on questions I received from women in the, in, in the Childless Not By Choice group, the Facebook group, Childless Not By Choice with Sevilla Morgan. And um, so I have a few questions here. And so I'm going to ask her the questions that are, these all came from the women in the group, and I'm going to see um, how we can help, those wonderful women, and I'm sure that Christy has the answers, and uh, she will also be giving us resources, and I will put the resource information in the show notes. So another reason why it's so important to not only listen to the episodes, but to check out the uh, the show notes. So Christy, question number one, um, one woman said, and I, I realize it's in many cases, these are going to be generalized responses, because you're not speaking directly to the person who ask the question, but uh, and this question, number one, the question is, um, she says, my question for the therapist is about intimacy in marriage. And that's another reason, by the way, that I wanted a therapist on because number one, I am not a therapist. And number two, I am not married. And so I'm not going to go down a, a path that I know nothing about. And um, so that's why I always have professionals on, on the episodes as often as I can. However, um, she says, "My question for the therapist is about intimacy in marriage. Now that my husband and I are working through accepting our childlessness, it feels like intimacy is no longer a priority. I sometimes feel like he finds other things, work, hobbies, to keep himself occupied. I understand that this may be part of the grieving process, but my question is, as a couple," how do we keep the intimacy and communication alive in the marriage while we adjust slash accept our child is not by choice status?
1: Okay, great. That's a good question. And there is a few parts to that question. So I want to make sure I address them all. And okay. that's great that you identified that communication at the end of the question. Um, Cause I really think the communication is key. And answering some of the other questions that you had inside the question. (laughs) So um, communication can really just bring clarity to assumptions and expectations that you might have in your relationship or anyone has in their relationship. Sometimes we might think, you know, our spouse is doing things um, or finding other things to occupy themselves, like you have stated, when that might not be the case. Um, So I think really just simple communication can answer some of those questions to bring clarity um, to maybe some of those assumptions or expectations that you might be placing on your spouse and just setting time aside to communicate even if it's just 15 minutes a day to sort through some of those thoughts and doing that coming from a place without placing Assumptions. Sometimes it's easy for us to say in communicating, um, are you doing this because of this? Are you spending more time working or with hobbies to preoccupy yourself? But instead of communicating, coming from a place of assumption, communicating from a place to where you're just asking them, you know, Um, from a place without including an assumption in those questions and asking him just simply how are you feeling you know how was work is he staying longer than intended you know for a certain reason but asking questions without including assumptions or expectations in those questions Um, so taking out maybe oh I thought you were going to be home earlier or Oh, I didn't know you were gonna be staying out later. Um, but just using clear, clear communication can take up, can take out some of that um, assumptions or wondering or just not sure, you know, where your spouse stands and why they're behaving possibly the way that they are. Um, but just asking, where are you or them in the grieving process? And if they don't know, you know, the different stages of the grieving process, talk about it, you know, Um, identifying those stages and just using clear communication to say, this is where I am, where are you? And if you aren't in the same stage of the grieving process, that's okay too. But at least you'll know where they are and where you are and how you can help them in the stage that they're in and how they can help you in the stage that you're in. And coming to an understanding. And I think it's coming from a better understanding of priorities as well. Um, Like you said, you, you mentioned priority in the question. And I think that that's also a great word to focus on in communication. And sharing, once again, sharing your priorities and getting to understand theirs as well. Not placing your priorities
0: on them Okay, well, I just i'm <laughs> I'm writing feverishly here <laughs> because I'm thinking, wait, this could be for any relationship, um definitely wonderful information for a marriage relationship, but this is really good because one of the things I never really thought about was um asking questions without assumptions. Oh my goodness because the, the the assumptions are clouding your mind and just like you know it, it's like you don't you can't let anything else through because the assumptions are just filling up your your mind and your thoughts and that's wow that's awesome information so i wrote down communication is key we always say it but do we really really believe it <laughs> and um asking questions without assumptions and another thing that it makes absolute sense now that i hear you say it and i've written it down Couples can be in different stages of the grieving process. And I never thought about that. And then um, priorities, uh, share and uh, understand the other's priorities. Because, again, those could be two different things as well. So let me see here. I'm writing this down. (laughs) This is great information. So thank you for that um, wonderful response, Christy. And then for question two... um, let me see here. Two it looks like it's a two-part question. Question two is What um, when, as a couple, you get to the point of realizing it, it really is not going to happen and you are, quote-unquote, an empty nester without ever having a nest, how do you keep it alive? I don't, I'm not sure what it is, I can assume, but um, it can be many different things. So that's question number 2A and to b how does a couple transition into the quote unquote new and different dream is it is it easier said than done so that's two a and two b
1: okay let me start with the first one okay and i think that that's a a statement that probably a lot of people can relate to um you know how how do you adjust to becoming an empty nester without ever being a nester. And maybe some people haven't thought of it that way. um, And that brings some things up as well. But I think as well, keeping it all alive would mean relationship-wise. And so that's how I'll address the question. Um, But I think going back to the first question as well, um, placing an emphasis on communication and... Um, asking questions with your spouse and, you know, what dreams did you guys have either together or separately prior to feeling like an empty nester? Um, you might have lost sight of some of those dreams that maybe you forgot about or kind of suppressed and those need to be, you know, pulled back alive, um, or it's creating new experiences. Um, but I think it's really soul searching, you know, as a couple and as individuals and thinking about what brought you joy and enjoyment in your relationship prior to this feeling, prior to feeling like a empty nester and, you know, giving yourself grace, you know, because whether you're becoming an empty nester after children or never having children, it's, still an adjustment it's still a transition that you're transitioning through and what are some of the things that you can do that make you not feel like such an empty nester in a negative way um because it seems like it's coming from a negative or hurt or disappointed place um, in the question and you know embracing your time together through through the healing process to move forward um whether that's, you know, doing things that, you know, you, you're able to do as an empty nester. Whether that's traveling together or, you know, volunteering, um, sharing new experience to experiences together that you might not have gotten to experience otherwise. And, you know, just adjusting to the change in the season in your life in a, in a positive way and just rediscovering what makes you guys feel alive together and sharing that passion together and, you know, identifying those things through communication and new experiences.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And then for, I guess, part two, that's, that's, that encompasses to um, be of that question um, where they say finding new and different dreams. So that's, that's an awesome response as well. Just um, emphasizing dreams. Again, a, a great point that they may have had dreams before they got married or before they got together. And um, do they have dreams now that they're married? And what do those two sets of dreams look like? So that's, that's a great answer as well. Um, number three, how do you let go of any resentment towards yourself? Because you are the reason, as a couple, there are no kids.
1: That, yeah, that's a, a deep question. And that's, honestly, mm-hmm. I could talk about that question all day. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but that is, I mean, that can come from a lot of different places, even outside of this situation. Um, but I think a few questions, just to ask yourself, if you are feeling this way, is, if your, if the tables were turned and your spouse was the one um, that was the reason or you were created flame blame, um, in a sense, would you be showing that same resentment towards them? Um, a lot of times we, we're harder on ourselves than we are with other people. Um, we give other people more grace, love, and understanding than we do ourselves. And so I think the next question would be is if you would be more understanding to someone else, why are you not giving yourself that same forgiveness and grace that you would be showing someone else? Um, And where does that come from? Usually that can come from a place um, from the past. Or how other people have treated you in the past. And sometimes we reflect that on ourselves. And that makes. Resentment easier to hold on to. And so I think those are really. Good questions to kind of reflect on. Um, personally. As to where. This resentment is coming from. And. Why is it self-created. And. And. You know, how can you move forward from there based on identifying those questions?
0: Wow, that's amazing. That is amazing. What if the tables were turned? Because, yes, we do tend to be hard on ourselves and we are on other people. But, wow, the key question, what if the tables were turned? Hmm. That is deep. And that's a deep answer. <laughs> um so that's question number three. Um, number four, this is probably an, another deep one. Another question from one of the group members is, can you talk to us about how legacy looks for the childless, not by choice, woman, man, couple?
1: Yes, this is another. Honestly, I could talk about this question all day, and I really like this question. <laughs> um because I think that a lot of people struggle with this. A lot of people that I see in counseling, um, you know, even outside of, you know, not having children, it's what is my purpose? What is my legacy? What am I gonna, um, bring to the world? Um, so I think it's such a great question that a lot of people struggle with. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, legacy can be taking place through any human interaction. I mean, even if we think personally about people who have impacted our lives, there's lots of people that have impacted our lives that are not our parents. And that could be a teacher, that could be someone that you've volunteered with, or even just someone, you know, out and about in public that you had a human connection or interaction with that Could change the shape of your life. And I think that we provide that to people all the time without realizing it. Um, You could be impacting people's lives on a daily basis. And even if it's not human interaction, um, you know, there's so many people who have changed the world through inventions, ideas, through books that have changed the course of you know, the way that our world works in a positive way, you know, whether that's impacting the environment, you know, impacting people, you know, just impacting the world in a positive light that is taken out of the context of parenting. And that the legacy for yourself is not based on that, you know, but it's discovering that for yourself. And I think that a lot of people aren't thinking about the impact that they have on other people outside of family. Um, But you could be impacting people everywhere you go um, and shaping the course of other people's life just based on who you are Um, and changing personal people's life or even changing the world on a larger scale just based on you know, your skills, your interactions with people to generations that would go way beyond yours.
0: Wow, that's awesome. Um, And again, I'm picking out little key points that you you mentioned. And and one of them is, and it's so true, we do not know the impact we have on people, whether it's negative or positive. And um, I think if we keep that in mind, on a daily basis, we may even do things differently. On a mm-hmm. daily basis, um, maybe respond in a different way um, than we usually would just because we, we we maybe many of us don't have that feeling of self-importance in, in a healthy way because there's an unhealthy self-importance and a healthy self-importance in my humble opinion. And I think if we if we thought about how important our contribution is um, in a healthy way. We would make different decisions. So I really appreciate you saying that. That's a, a great word, and I think that um, the person that asked that question um, will have a lot to chew on, and it will help them with uh, with you know with their thought process on legacy because legacy is a big, big uh, subject in in the group. It comes mm-hmm. up all the time because uh, we we tend to think of legacy simply in the children we didn't get to have because when we look at our nieces and nephews, for instance, when I look at my nephews, I always talk about my nephews, although they're grown men. Now, when I look at them, I can see the legacy that my brother gets to have, even in just the way they look like him and act like him and the way they listen to him. And, um, even though they're grown, they still seek his advice. And so we we feel a lot as childless, not by choice people that we we miss out. We we talked at one point where um, we all wondered if we had children, would they look like us? I used to wonder if I had a daughter, if she would have the same features as me and the same skin tone and you know would she be a better version of me and so th- those are very they're quite legitimate questions but as you said it didn't you know well you didn't say it but that's basically what it is it didn't happen for us but a legacy can can happen in in other ways and not necessarily less mm-hmm. positive ways right so um well moving on to a slightly different question. I think this one was from the same person because I have four A and four B. But um, this question says, "Can you talk about the consideration for divorce when a spouse refuses to consider adoption?"
1: Okay. That yeah, that's a a tough question, and I think that that goes back to yeah some of the things that we've already talked about before and. If that is a consideration, you know, communicating about where your spouse is coming from. Um, If it is a refusal, um, that sounds very concrete for sure, you know, that they're refusing to consider adoption. And but I think it's where is that refusal coming from? And that can be determined in the grieving process. Are they coming from a place of anger? Are they coming from a place of hurt? Are they, you know, it could be a lot of different things that is causing that refusal. And sometimes we just look at the action or the statement, um, like the refusal of adoption. Um, I don't know how that communication is going or how that conversation went, But just based on the question, that seems to be the focus. And I think it's really identifying where is that refusal coming from? And is there a possibility to reconsider based on healing and from the point of where that refusal is coming from? Is it coming from a place of hurt? Is it coming from a place of anger? It's coming from a place, something else. From somewhere else that is just being identified as a refusal. So I think really communication is key for that question. But I definitely think that that would be a great reason to seek out counseling as a couple to identify some of those things um, before solidifying, you know, action of divorce based on the refusal.
0: And uh, another thing, and I don't know. Maybe you can tell us how much premarital counseling happens in this day and age. And I know that even with premarital counseling, uh, a spouse can flip the script, <laughs> for lack of a better term. But um, I just wonder if if this could not have been discussed in premarital, pre-marital counseling and... Uh, And then if they do flip the script, then what? And for those of you listening overseas, flip the script basically means that they change their mind on what they said before you got married and and now are saying something different now that you're married. So what about those instances?
1: Um, Well, when it comes to premarital counseling, I don't feel like people are seeking out premarital counseling at all. Um, I know some states, you're mandated to have premarital counseling prior to getting married. Um, but I, I don't think people are placing an emphasis on premarital counseling, um, to my knowledge, right now. And I think that that does create a lot of issues later down the road. Um, and I think people avoid it on purpose because a lot of couples that I talk to, after they've been married, they didn't seek out premarital counseling on purpose because they didn't want to talk about these things prior to marriage, because they're not easy topics to talk about. You know, it's easier to focus on the fun and enjoyment of a relationship prior to marriage and the celebration of a wedding and talking about hard topics before marriage doesn't really fit into a lot of people's schedules when it comes to that.
0: Right. So, um, I I I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know what the percentage was, but it kind of makes sense to me because the divorce rate is so high, and and I'm not. And again, I maybe I could be wrong, but I just wonder if the divorce rate would be so high if there were premarital counseling, and maybe it wouldn't be so high because maybe there wouldn't be so many marriages. I don't know. <laughs> just just. <laughs> You know, it's just, it's it's tough because yes, everybody, I mean, nobody wants to be alone or lonely. And um, many people think that love conquers all and, you know, they'll get through it. They'll just be adult about it. But then when they get married and then these things start popping up, even even things like, well, how many children do you want? It, it amazes me that people don't talk about these things before marriage. Mm-hmm. So when you get married, one person wants 10 and one person wants two, and so there's a big bone of contention. It's like, you guys never talked about this before the marriage? So it just um, it just gets me sometimes. But anyway, back to this person's um, question. The bottom line is, um, what I'm hearing is that the person who is saying no to adoption um, probably needs to look into where the no is coming from, Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah,
1: I would look more into where that's coming from to just get more understanding as to where they're coming from and to why that is, you know, on a refusal level. But I think like you're saying, um, with the tables turning, refusals aren't necessarily permanent either. You know, that can always change Mm -hmm. um, through counseling and conversation and just you know, asking questions of where that's coming from, um, and you know, identifying your own desire for adoption, you know, and just discussing that, um, you know, together with your spouse.
0: So on the other side of things, though, if if the the person saying no is just they're they're not changing their minds. They're it's just no, and that's just how it's going to be. The person who wants to adopt and is now considering divorce because the answer is no from the spouse, how do they keep that marriage together? How do we not have another statistic uh, taking place here?
1: Yeah, I think that that can even go back to like the other question that can cause a lot of resentment and, you know, resent your spouse for holding things back or, you know, taking away your dream, if this was your dream. And I think it ties into a lot of the other questions we've discussed and, you know, creating that resentment um, if you guys aren't on the same page and this decision or this, you know, dream or legacy that you were looking to create through adoption. Um, but I think that, you know, moving forward, definitely... Um, seeking out counseling or guidance um, to sort through that would be the first step and just learning, you know, how to navigate through that situation, whether it's moving forward without adoption or, you know, communicating and getting to a point to where that would be a possibility. Um, But either way, I think that um, it's moving forward, even if the refusal stands, you know, how can you get past that resentment and, uh, you know, feelings of being held back or whatever the case is, it would turn into more of, you know, it's not changing the other person because we can't do that. It's how can you change how you're reacting or feeling about the situation?
0: Okay. All right. Um, Yeah, that was a pretty deep question. But um, I think that this will Thoroughly help the person that all of these responses are going to help these these uh, people asking the questions. But I know that this one has come up in the group before as well. So thank you very much for that um, response. And um, as we wind things down here, um, question number five: um, How do you stop thinking? Uh, thinking. I think they said, "How do you stop thinking if there will be anyone to take care of you?" That this question comes up quite a bit. Um, It's probably similar to Legacy, but maybe not really, but it comes up in that as we get older as childless, not by choice women, and knowing that statistics say that men typically die maybe two years before their wives, women, we're left to wonder, and then for those of us who are not married, that's even yet another layer, we start to wonder who will take care of us? And we, the fear starts to creep in. And so this, this question comes up as a topic all the time in the group. So I guess basically they're saying, how do we keep from thinking about as we become elderly, who will take care of us?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think this one, I think this is another question that is a type of assumption Um because you're kind of predetermining what the future looks like for you. And we don't know what that future is going to look like. And having children is not a guarantee of having a caretaker. Exactly. Um, so <laughs> some children, you, some people have children and they pass away before them. Some people have children and, you know, they don't have a relationship with them later or... They're not taking on being a caretaker for their parents later in life. So I think it still comes from an assumption that people who have children are going to have a guaranteed caretaker, which is not always the case. And not everyone needs a caretaker later in life. Um, You know, I think these are. This is a question that. You know, could come from a place of fear, like you said, and a Preconceived or a preoccupation with preconceived notions of the future that you have for yourself um, that you know, not could not possibly not be true. Um, but I think that sorting through this question is using thought redirection. Um, which is something you can um, look into it online as well of, you know, how to redirect your thoughts when those types of thoughts come up, you know, from a place of fear mm-hmm. and redirecting your thoughts to um, even more of a logical point of view or um, a positive point of view to where it's not taking you down that um, road of being fearful and feeling like, you know, no one's going to be there for you or be able to take care of you just based on the fact that your child is not by choice.
0: Yeah, I, I, I find it really important, and I, I talk about this in, in the group a lot, it is really, really important to manage our thoughts. And, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially day in and day out as we make our way through this journey of grieving you know the childlessness we really have to w- no matter what the trauma is we have to manage our thoughts and 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 I mentioned that mm-hmm. in the group quite a bit but um you know this as you said that there there are resources online for that and, and I know I'll get that information from you and put it in the in the show notes but bottom line managing your thoughts and realizing that the future seldom turns out the way we think it will or or we expect it to whether good or bad it's it's not always going to work out the way we we think or the way things look now we we have to look toward the future with a positive mindset is my thought process on it yeah but um well the last question we have here is Will you ever find lasting peace with your childless not by choice journey?
1: Okay. The answer to that is yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um I think that and I think that comes from a hopeless place. You know, it sounds like you know that question is just coming from a longing for peace. And you haven't found that yet. Right. Um, and anyone who's been through, you know, trauma or, you know, adjustment or transition like you might be feeling, um, it's very hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's kind of like you have tunnel vision and there's nothing at the end. And that's, that can be a hopeless feeling. Um, but can you ever find peace? Definitely, yes. And I think that, you know, you might be childless not by choice, um, but there are lots of choices that you still have, and it's focusing on the choices that can bring you peace. And, you know, discovering that peace through the healing process or, you know, through things and choices that you have that bring you joy and peace, and what are the things once again that brought you peace prior to finding out that you were childless not by choice? And focusing on that and focusing on new things that you know bring you peace moving forward.
0: Okay, so thank you so much for for that positive um final our uh, response, because I think that's what we all need to know about this childless not by choice journey, is that we can find peace I guess as you were responding to it, I thought about the um previous question of uh the thought process of our minds of of managing our minds and um having positive thoughts and maintaining positive thoughts in our in our minds in mm-hmm. our brains and our thought processes on a daily and regular basis so I totally agree. Um it is possible to have lasting peace. So, um yeah, that is that was the last question, but before we sign off here, did you have anything else that you wanted to add before um just knowing that you're speaking with a global audience, anything that you wanted to just say, maybe even a, a final word of encouragement and telling us um how to make it through from a professional therapist's point of view. <laughs>
1: Yes, I definitely think that, you know, anyone who can identify with anything that we talked about today, you know, seeking out counseling is really important and it's hard to navigate these questions on your own. And even with, you know, a spouse, sometimes it, you know, you're together and trying to navigate through it together, but it's still, you need resources, you need tools. You're not expected to have all the answers and figure this out on your own. Um, so it's great that you have um, this platform to utilize, to connect with other people, um, but also seeking out um, professional help as well. And there's no um, weakness in that, but I think it's really important to navigate through this healing process and adjustment and transition. And And I'll be providing a few books and resources that would be helpful to use at home as well. Um to expand on some of these questions and thoughts that you might have awesome that would be wonderful
0: and i know the ladies will um, look forward to that and um, check it out because they're always looking for resources in fact on our community group over on the website there is a a resources group it's really a book group but we always post in there what it is we're reading what the latest thing is that we're reading that pertains to our situations and so I'll definitely put, post the uh, resources in there and on the show notes. And so, Christy, thank you so much once again for your time today. It is so appreciated. Thank you for um, just speaking life and positivity into these women and, and men uh, who are listening to the, the podcast episode. And um, I look forward to getting this information out. Thank you so much for your time today, Christy.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: You're welcome.